Thank you for visiting Crossland Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at coschurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. Well, good morning and welcome to Cross Lane. Last week, we, um, we started a new series called Faith Inflators, and uh, it's five things to grow your faith. One of the things we said is that God uh, wants to blow your faith up big, and uh, he wants to use certain things in your life to, to be able to do that. We, we began last week by asking the question, imagine, really it was, it was a, more of a, a, a request for you to imagine <clears throat> having such huge faith that you just, um, you know, you knew that no matter what happened in your world, God was there. You knew that if something bad was happening in your world, God was there to pick you up and take care of it. God was looking out for you. No matter how good things were going, you knew that God was the reason why things were that good, that when things got bad or didn't go your way, your natural response was not, is God in control? Your natural response was, God is in control. I know God's in control, and God's going to work this out, and we're just going to wait and see what he has for us and, and things like that. And, and that that really was the way you viewed your world, that, that we, we asked the question, what if that really is the way you viewed the world? And what if that really was the way that you viewed God in your life and the way God works in your life? Imagine how different your life would be, how confident you'd be. Um, the personal security that you would have as you went through each and every day, your ability to face temptation, your ability to face loneliness, your ability to face hardship. Imagine what it would be like to have perfect confidence and faith in God and, and uh, that you weren't in denial and that, uh, you, you had, but that you had a real faith and confidence in God that he was going to work everything out. Imagine how different your life would be. Maybe you have met people like we talked about last week and this week that, that have that kind of faith. And maybe when you're around those kind of people, um, you, you thought it was your job. Have you ever been around somebody like that that just had this unbelievable huge faith and you think it's your job to inform them as to why maybe they shouldn't be so optimistic and why maybe they shouldn't think things are as good as they are? And, and you thought it was your job to give them more information um, it sounds kind of weird that we would want to drag someone's faith down, but sometimes that's how we internally, that's how we think, right? That we think, man, they, they just don't understand. They don't, they don't see that if, if, um, if they knew all the facts, they wouldn't have this great faith, and sometimes we think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that everybody knows those things. And yet these people seem to be somewhat bulletproof, and they say things like, you know, I understand that, I, 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 you know, I, or they say, no, I didn't know that, but God's bigger than that, and God's going to fix it and heal it, and, and I'm just trusting God. And, and you walk away, and, and you, just, you can't understand that someone would have a faith that big. And if you're, if you're not a person who has that kind of faith, and you meet people who do, it's a little irritating, isn't it? It's a little irritating to run across somebody that has faith that big and that strong because to be real honest you want faith like that and you don't have it and you can't have it and so uh, it irritates you because you wish you had that kind of confidence in God and and then you don't say this of course but um, you think things like boy I wish I was as dumb as you are I wish I didn't know all the facts you have I wish you know I wish I didn't have everything all put together and and uh, the kind of faith you have unfortunately I'm an educated person and I've seen the world and I've been around and I've seen things and there's no way I can have that simple childlike faith, but boy, my life would be better if I could. Maybe you felt that way from time to time. And as you open the pages of the New and Old Testaments, 
it becomes pretty evident that that is exactly what God is trying to do in our world. He is trying to blow up our faith, to build up that kind of faith in us so that we move and work and operate day to day with that kind of faith. As we said last week, man's problem did not begin with disobedience. I think we operate under the assumption that the first problem we had was a problem of disobedience. That is really not the case. The first problem we had was man's problem began with a lack of trust in God. God, you're holding out on me. God, you're not telling me the truth. You haven't been as forthcoming as as you should have. There's more out there, and you haven't told me what it is. And so because I don't trust you, I'm not going to obey you. And so the story of the Old and New Testament, the story of the Old Testament is God trying to reestablish a trust relationship with a people that he basically originated, and he originated that people to be a showcase for trust and relationship for the rest of the world. He wanted the rest of the world to see the Jewish faith, the Israelites, and say, look, that's a people who have a God that loves them. That's a people who loves their God, and they have this ultimate faith, and look at how they, they live out their faith day to day. And uh, they were to be an example for the rest of the world. In the New Testament, we find God establishing a trust relationship with the rest of the world, a group of people known as the Gentiles, which is what most of us are. We are Gentiles, and um, that's what pretty much all of us would be considered. And that relationship would take place through his son, Jesus Christ. And as Jesus came into the world, he didn't say, if you will be good, God will love you more. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, if you'll be good, uh, if, you'll, you know, you, you will, if, if you will be good, God will be a trustworthy God for you. That's not the kind of thing that Jesus said. He said, God wants you to trust him. He sent me here, and if you will trust me, then you will have the kind of relationship with your heavenly Father that you have always wanted to have. Because just as this whole thing fell apart over trust, he takes them all the way back to the Old Testament and says, look, just as this thing fell apart, over trust it wasn't a disobedience thing it was trust first we lost trust if you will get back to trusting god and if you'll get back to trusting me you will have the relationship that you've always wanted so what god wants to do is grow a big faith in you he wants to uh, he wants you to have a big faith because uh, if you have a big confidence in god it seeps into every area of your life and it begins to affect every Uh, possible area that you've got going on in your world and so jesus knew that and that's why he was trying to establish this trust relationship Um, the way you do relationships jesus would say will be different the way you you uh, do tragedy the way you deal with tragedy will be different the way you handle your money uh, if you trust god with it the way you handle that will be different Uh, money morality ethics uh, everything will be different and so god in the process of trying to inflate our faith, we have said, basically, if you look at people who have big faith, if you look at people who operate from a standpoint of, you know, I have faith in God, I trust God, I know what's going on, I know God loves me, you start talking to those kinds of people and you start asking them to define their faith and ask them to talk about how they got to the place that they are, basically, five things are going to come up. We talked about these last week, and these are the five things that we're going to discuss over the next several weeks. The first one, and the one we're going to talk about today, is practical teaching. Practical teaching that that if if, uh, you begin to get put around someone or a group of people who are able to help you apply Scripture. Number two is providential relationships. That certain people come into your world that enable you 
to have better faith. Number three was private disciplines, that you got taught how to do a couple or three things or maybe more, that as you have done these things over time, they've just become private disciplines for you and have helped to inflate and grow your faith. Number four, pivotal circumstances, maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing, maybe something horrible happened in your world, but because of that horrible thing, God had your attention. God was able to speak truth and, and peace and grace into your life. And because of that, you've now gotten to a place where you, God has your attention. He's speaking to you. He's talking to you. And, and you wouldn't want to go through that thing again. But that pivotal circumstance has had a, a great impact on your life. And then number five, personal ministry. Somebody said, hey, we need you to work in, in Art Park. Or somebody said, hey, we need you to, to come do this ministry piece with us. And you didn't know anything about it. And you didn't have the first clue how to do ministry. But you, you wanted to do something big for God. And so you said, okay, I'll do it. And the next thing you know, you look up and that thing, whatever it is, has really come front and center in your world. And it has become a really big part of your faith in God. You start talking to people who have big faith, and these are the five basic uh, slots that you will find everything kind of falling into, and you'll hear them, you'll hear these themes over and over again in their life. You talk to someone with big faith, you let them tell their story, and it seems that these five things keep showing up. Today, I want to talk about practical teaching. Practical, biblical teaching. You listen to somebody tell their story about faith, and about their experience with God. And you will always hear this. Then I went to a church and I heard this preacher and the way he talked about God really made sense to me. Or you'll hear somebody say, then I got involved in this Bible study and as I started to listen to these people help me to understand the Bible and as I began to apply what I was learning, the Bible came to life for me and Jesus came to life for me. Or you'll hear somebody say, then I found a Sunday school class that really spoke to me. Then I went to a Bible uh, uh, student fellowship. Then I went to a small group. Um, but, but what you'll hear is this idea that biblical teaching was taking place and it was done in a very practical way. And as a result of that, um, they began to grow in their faith. One of the things that we hear when people come to us and are new here is, is um, one of the things that we hear is, you know, I, I've not ever heard somebody teach that way before because the way we teach around here is very, it's, it's, we're, we teach to application. I, I've said many times, my goal is not for you to leave here on Sunday morning and to be able to give uh, your your boss tomorrow book, chapter, and verse on what it says about you know, any particular subject in Scripture. Now, I want you to know your Bible. I think it's an important thing for us to know our Bibles. But that's not the primary goal of what I'm trying to do on Sunday morning. What I'm trying to do on Sunday morning is to tell you, here's what the Bible says. Here's how it makes direct application to your life when you walk into work tomorrow morning or when you go home this afternoon with your kids and they're being stinkers or when you've got a marriage problem or when you've got this or that going on. Here's what you need to understand, and here's what you need to know in Scripture to help you make application to what's going on in your world. And so what we hear a lot around here is, I, you know, I've never heard the Bible applied the way it's applied here. That's on purpose, okay? That's because we're not trying to cover material. That's not the goal this morning. The goal isn't so you can come and have sat in a row and listened in a, in a pew and gone away and said, okay, now that I've heard Scripture this morning, I'm in good shape. God loves me more. That's not the goal at all. The basic goal is I'm listening and I'm hearing things that I've never heard before. I've never heard in that way before. And God is helping me to take these, these keys 
and, and to, to make application. And the key to practical biblical teaching is that we don't just know more, but we know what to do with what we know. That's the key. That's what we're after this morning. Because here's what we're going to see today. When we see the Bible as something that God wants us to do, not just something that he wants us to hear uh, and not just something that he wants us to know, our faith gets bigger as we do what it is that God is trying to say to us. The problem with many churches in America and, and, and even in Europe, and this is a generalization, and this isn't, this isn't indicative of every church in America, but one of the problems that we have in this country is because it's so easy to go to church and we can meet in such relative freedom that really we've gotten lax and we've gotten to a place where we go to church and, and, and we just basically go and the preacher's job is to cover the material. Okay, today I'm going to talk to you out of Luke chapter 10 and we're going to talk about this and, and at the end of it we will have covered this particular story. And you leave and you say, well, I've already heard that story, but it's good that the preacher covered that again because we hadn't heard that in a while and, and really after all we need to cover this material. And so, you know, basically it's, it's just a, 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 an attitude of here's the material, we're going to cover it. And the reason people like shorter and shorter sermons is because we've already heard everything. I don't want to hear that again. Don't take a lot of time to, to tell me what it says. I already know what it says. And so, you know, when, when that's the attitude, it doesn't take an awful lot of time. We can come in, we can open the Bible and say, okay, here's, this, here's the material this morning, and we're just going to cover the material. But when Jesus opened the Old Testament to teach... He didn't just open the Old Testament and say, okay, here's the material for the day. We're going to cover this material so that when you leave here, you can feel like you've been in the presence of God. Or you can leave here and feel like God's pleased with you because you've covered the material. It was different. When Paul began to expound from the Old Testament, it was done, everything was done to the point of application. It wasn't just, hey, let's come in and cover the material. Jesus taught to application, not simply to knowledge. And that's kind of what we're trying to get across this morning. Uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. I don't know what's happened to my voice this morning, but it's going south on me. Jesus has just finished up uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He's kind of toward the end of it. And, and this entire message is about what to do. Now, there's some faith pieces in this, and he talks some about faith. Um, there was a belief part, but most of this was about what to do. And the reason Jesus was teaching a to-do list, and the reason he taught in an applicable way, was that he knew that simply knowing things was not enough. It doesn't make any difference if you just simply know something. It's what you do with what you know that makes a difference in your everyday life. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus was basically saying, if you really had big faith in God, this is what it would look like. If you, if you had a big faith in God, when, it, when he was given these points in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, look, if you, if you lived out what you know and what you're being taught, this is what it would look like. If you had perfect faith in God, here's what you would do. And so he said things like, if someone wants you to go one mile with them, then you should go two miles with them. If someone really offends you, then you should go ahead and you should forgive them. 
Jesus comes along and he says, look, by the way, it's not just, you know, lust is a sin. It's not just, you know, what you're doing with your body, but it's what's going on in your mind that can also become a problem and what you do with your eyes and in your mind that's a sin. And so this was like, this was brand new material for this was brand new stuff for them because up until then they were, they were just used to, to knowing the material and, and basically staying within the boundaries and within the lines and that's what they thought faith was. He said, you know, when it comes to giving, give as much as you can. That was basically the way Jesus approached things. He said, look, I'm not going to give you a percentage. I'm not going to tell you anything like that. When it comes to giving, give as much as you can. It's what you do with what you know that makes a difference. And so Jesus is saying, this is, you know, this is what it looks like if you have absolute perfect faith and you know that God is going to take care of you. The whole message is kind of a here's what to do not to gain God's favor because uh, in Jesus' mind, he is speaking to a group of people who already has God's favor, okay? These aren't people who are looking for God's favor. These aren't people who are trying to get in God's good, God's good graces. These are people who, in, in Jesus' eyes, are pretty much already there, but he's trying to help them to see, I want you to go deeper. I want this to be bigger. I want your faith to be this huge thing. And so these were Jewish men and women whom God had already selected to be his people, um, this wasn't do something good so that God will be on your good side. As far as Jesus is concerned, these people are already on God's good side. Uh, this wasn't anything like that. This was if you want to live out your faith in God, this is what it's going to look like. This whole sermon was very application-oriented. Uh, and then at the end of the sermon, here's his conclusion. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into, and what is the word? practice okay it's a to-do thing it's a to it, you know you're going to hear these words but you're going to practice these words everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice you might want to circle that word is like a wise man who built his house on the rock if you want there to be a difference in your life if you want there to be a difference in the way your faith shows up in practical ways if you want god to show up in your world then jesus says you've got to do these things you, you you can't just go away and say god loves me because i went to hear jesus speak that's not going to work you know i heard G, i heard all five of jesus pre, uh, speeches this weekend and so god must love me more because i've been to church and i've heard god speak see in our culture we kind of have that mentality don't we 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 if you will be honest with yourself there have been times in your life and maybe you're not in one of those times now but there's been a time where in your world you viewed church as this thing that you do to get God to like you, right? You go to church, and if you go to church five Sundays in a row, you kind of have a mentality that says, well, now that I've gone to church five Sundays in a row, God must really be pleased with me, so now would be a good time to ask him if I can have that new job. Or, you know, you know I've been to church... 10 Sundays in a row and I've listened to the boring sermon 10 Sundays in a row and so now that I've done that now would be a great time to ask God if I can have that car that I've had my eye on because after all this is about me getting in God's good God's good graces and if I go to church a lot then obviously God must love me more and I've listened to the sermon and I've done you know I've done I've done my duty and so now God it's your turn to step up and you know um and we kind of wear that sometimes as a badge of spirituality for other people, right? We see people and we know that they haven't been to church and we ask them down our nose because we, we, we know we've been to church three weeks in a row and we say, well, have you been to church lately? 
You know, as if, as if they're not as spiritual as us because they haven't been to church as often as we have. Now, if you're not there now, the chances are good that at some point in your life, you have been at that place. You have looked at church attendance as this badge of spirituality, and, and, and you know, you're closer to God because you've been five weeks in a row. I, I, went to, I worked at a church one time where they gave away the Sunday school pins. Have you ever seen those? Where you get perfect attendance for, for a, you know, you get a badge or a pin for a whole year of Sunday school attendance. And I saw a, a, a woman one time get her 33rd, I said 33rd, perfect attendance pin. She wore that thing to church one time, okay? It hung all the way down to her thigh, and it was really cool, and it was a novel thing. But was she any really any more spiritual as anybody else as a result of all those pins? No. Now, I, I will I tell you that, but I'll tell you this. I know her heart. And I can tell you that her heart was very much, I want to do what Jesus says. And she was spiritual, not because she had the badge and all the pins that went with it. She was spiritual because she did what Jesus said to do, because she made application to what was going on. Um, you know, our, our, we have this attitude, I don't miss church, or you know, sometimes Catholics, I don't, I don't miss Mass, and so because I don't miss Mass, or maybe for you, it's I don't, I don't you know, not you, because we don't. We just kind of skip the middleman. We don't really have confession. In Catholic Church, they have confession. <clears throat> and so they think, well, I've been to confession a lot, so I'm close to God because I've been to confession a lot. You know, God, how could you let that happen to me because I've been going to church or I've been going to Mass or I've been going to confession? How could you let these bad things happen? Um, I went to all these things. God, I promise, if I, if I promise to go back to church, will you do this, that, or the other? You ever done that? You ever worked a deal with God in your mind where you say, God, if I go to church five weeks in a row, will you promise to do, you know, I really need you to move my boss to Japan is what I need. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church for five weeks and you, then you'll do that, right? As if somehow we think attendance and the consistency of attendance somehow makes a difference. And Jesus says, no, you can hear all my speeches, you can come and listen to the Sermon on the Mount and not move a muscle. You can take perfect notes. You can memorize what I've said. You can do all that. And, and at the end of doing all that, that doesn't make you any more spiritual than you were when you walked in. You know, I, Keith Green one time was a Christian singer, and he was fond of saying, you, you know, going to church doesn't make you a, a more spiritual Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. I mean, it just, it, it doesn't change anything. The fact that you've been to church doesn't change anything. Jesus taught to application. <clears throat> because the thing that is going to blow up your faith, <clears throat> excuse me, it's got to be excruciating for you to hear this. I'm, I'm really okay. I really am. It's not in hearing, Jesus says, it's in doing. Uh, that's why when you hear someone with big faith, start talking about it um, what you're going to hear is then I started going to this church and this guy started talking in a way that I understood then I got involved in this bible study then it all started to make sense for me you're going to hear them say I was put in an environment where I didn't just hear the word I heard the word practically taught and it was it was made, I made application to my particular circumstances and I began to apply scripture to my life and I never knew before that you could apply Scripture. And you hear people who, we, we get them once in a while that come to church here and they say, man, I'm, I'm in a church my whole life, but I've never heard the Bible taught this way. And what they're saying is, 
you know, I've gone to church for a long time, and I've gone to, ch- to a church where the goal was to get through the message. I've gone to church where the goal was, you know, I'm just watching the clock waiting for the bell to ring so that I can be a Pavlovian dog and get up and leave and say, now I've been to church. What they're saying is, I've never been to a church where the guy broke it down for me and made it make sense so that when I walk into work tomorrow and I've got a boss that's a jerk, the preacher has in some way helped me to understand how to deal with that boss. That, that, that the, the, the way that the, the message was presented, it, it's made a difference in my job. It's made a difference with my marriage or my kids or my money or, or, or you know, my little league team or you know, any particular thing. When I started to apply this stuff, God, what they're saying is, God suddenly came alive in my life. And I'm not doing to get on God's good side. I understand I'm already on God's good side. One of the things I keep saying here, and I wonder sometimes if we're getting it, but I'm going to say it again. You are the apple of God's eye. He is crazy, crazy about you. He loves you, okay? It's not like God is waiting for you to make a mistake. It's not like God is looking for you to screw up somehow, and so God can step on you and squash you like a bug. That is not God's goal for your life. God loves you. He loves you. He, he thinks you're the most amazing thing in the world. And what God wants for you is to have a huge faith in him, a faith that says, I trust you. I have ultimate confidence in you. No matter what, even when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to follow you. And, when, and what God wants to see happen is he wants you to see him at work in your life. When your obedience and mine, which is really your obedience and mine, is really nothing more than an act of faith. But when your faith... We've said this before. When your faith intersects God's faithfulness, that is when he shows up in your world in these unbelievable ways and you start to see him and you say, I can trust in God. I know, even though it doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, even though it doesn't make sense to me, and even though I I can't even explain this all the time, I know that even when I don't understand it all, when my faith intersects God's faithfulness, God honors my obedience, and he shows up in these unbelievable ways, and, and these acts of faith really build my faith, and I have this inflated faith that God has wanted me to have all along. So God, I'm gonna do what you ask me to do because it not because it makes sense not because i know how it's going to turn out not because my friends are saying it's the right thing in fact my friends are all saying that bread that doesn't make any sense at all not not because not because i can explain it to anybody or not because i even think it'll work i'm going to do it because you said to do it and i want my faith to intersect your faithfulness god i want to show you that i trust you and that is an expression of i trust you that's an expression god of my big faith in you and when you express big faith, God comes through in big faith kind of ways, and there's God in your life. There's God in your relationships. There's God in your money. There's, there's God in your kids. There's God in every aspect of your life, not because you're awesome, but because, because God is awesome as you have, have, have demonstrated faith in him. Um, if you act in that way, what God does is he basically takes the shackles off, and, and he starts showing up in ways, and he frees you up to really trust him and you don't know how it's all going to turn out you just say you know people say man aren't you afraid and you come back and you say you know what i guess i ought to be i guess it makes sense that that because i don't understand how this is going to turn out and this is all uncertain for me and i don't know i guess i should be afraid but the bottom line is i'm really not but what happens is that when we have made application 
we get to the place where we trust God and we say, God, it's all on you. (laughs) I don't know how it's going to go. It's not my job to know how it's going to go. My job is to put ultimate faith and trust in you, and you are going to inflate my faith in the meantime. See, it's one thing to know about nutrition, right? You can know all about nutrition and calories and how to eat right and all that kind of stuff, but if you slam pizzas every night of your life, then all the knowledge about nutrition in the world doesn't help you at all, right? You, you can know all about fitness, you can, you can have the, the, the total home gym in your home. You can have the Bowflex. You can have a Wii Fit. You can have step machines. You, you can have Cuisinart. You know, you can do all the stuff, and people can come to you, and you can be the guru, and they can say, hey, how do I get my pecs to stand out, or how do I get my legs to be more defined? And they can tell you all about it, and they can be overweight slobs. They can know all about fitness and not practice it and not do it. It doesn't do them any good. Jesus says, look, if you want Christianity to explode in your life and in the reality of your world experience, you have to do these things. It's not just enough to come hear it. You've got to do it. Faith happens in the context of application. Here's what we do. Here's how we do it. Someone has inspired you to do something. And when you talk to someone who's got that big faith, what you're going to hear them say is, I finally got around somebody. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. In this day and age, if I don't do it for you and you can't find another church to do it and you're not involved in a small group, there's sermons online, there's Bible studies online, there's all kinds of places that you can go and have people help you make application, biblical application. Jesus says, you know, thanks for listening to the sermon and, and thanks for, for showing up today, but, but this isn't going to do you any good if all you've done is just taken notes and you don't do anything with it. And as much, I'll tell you, as much as I love preaching to a room full of people, I mean, it's no fun when there's three here, okay? We all know that. That's no fun. It's fun when there's a ton of people here. That's great, but if there's a ton of people here and everybody leaves and nobody's making practical application, we're all just pretty much wasting our time. Verse 25, he says, the rain came down. I think I left the off of the slide, did I? Yep, I left it off because it's not in here either. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. This is how Jesus is going to wrap this whole thing up. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus says the reason the house didn't fall is because it's not because they knew about the storm. It's not because they understood all about storms. It's not because they were great builders it's because they built on a a good foundation they knew uh, where to build their house the reason it stood up is because they did the right thing they actually built the house on the rock and building the house on the rock is not just hearing it's actually doing he says this is what it means to listen and to obey the things that i've taught you listen and you do you listen but you do something with the information that you require. Jesus says, if you want your life to reflect that you built your house on the rock and on the right thing, you have to do this stuff. Not to earn favor with God. Again, that's, that's not, we're not talking about earning your way into heaven, okay? That's, we're assuming that's already going to happen. We're talking about, um, you know, everyone who hears. And basically, when you read that, uh, verse 26, but everyone who hears, that is, attends church, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Again, there's that word. You've got to practice what you hear. It's like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. 
He's saying, you can have 100% attendance. You can hear every sermon that I've ever preached, and you can still be a fool. You can have 100% attendance and build a home, a relational home, a financial home, a parental home, a moral home. Um, You can go out and make all kinds of decisions, and it can be an absolute disaster because you heard everything, but you applied nothing. Verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. And you read that and you think, man, that's a slam against the teachers of the law. Here's the problem in that day with the teachers of the law. They knew it all. They knew everything. The teachers of the law, the religious leaders of the day, the people who hated Jesus, they knew all the religious law. You could ask them, they could quote it verbatim, they had scripture memorized, they could tell you everything that it said. They knew it. And when they presented it, they presented it as, okay, today we're going to cover the material. All right, it's our duty to get this material out. It's important that you understand that this scroll says this today. And then Jesus comes along and says, okay, Uh, I'm going to give you some things to believe. Yes, I'm going to give you some knowledge and some information, but I'm going to give you some things to do. This is what it looks like. You have to forgive. This is what it looks like. You have to go the second mile. This is what it looks like. Don't look in that direction. That's going to be a problem if you look in that direction. Here's what it looks like in the real world. If If you want there to be a difference, then you can't just attend. Then you've got to do and act in faith. That is an expression of faith in that person. In this case, uh, Jesus would say that's an expression of trust and faith in me. When you do what I tell you to do, that's an act of trust. You as parents, when you've ever said to your kids, hey, don't ask me any questions. I just need you to... You ever given your kids a gift? And you said, hey, I I want you to go up to the car and get get in the back seat and there's a package back there. And they say, why do I have to get in the back seat? And you say, just trust me. Just go get in the back seat. There's something for you in the back seat of the car. Well, I don't want to go. Why do I have to go to the back seat? And you, you just want to shake them, right? It's like if you would just trust me and understand that I've got your best interest in mind right here. If you will trust me, something good is going to happen. Just trust me. Get off your duff. Go to the back seat of the car. Get in the back seat. There's something cool there for you if you'll just go. And they're, you know, it's like they're brain damaged. It's like they can't figure out. That's what, I think that's the way God looks at us sometimes. I think God's, what God's saying is, hey, get off your duff, go to the back seat, do this thing, something good's going to happen if you will just do what I'm telling you. And we're going, well, why do I have to go to the back seat? You know, it doesn't make any sense. I want to stay here. Well, you know, I'm not, I don't trust that there's going to be, what if there's nothing in the back seat? You're going, you know, I just think that that's where God is with us sometimes. One of the questions that we are constantly asking around here is, did it work? We evaluate a lot of what we do, and when we try something new, we evaluate it. We ask ourselves the question, did it work? Was there application made? Did we do more than just show up for an event? See, we don't want to just show up for an event. When we do Vacation Bible School here pretty soon, we don't want Vacation Bible School to be just something that a bunch of our adults have poured their heart and soul into, worked their tails off, and the kids have come, and they come away from it at the end of the week and say, yep, I did Vacation Bible School for a week. I went every week, I went every night, I got the badges. 
I got the certificate that says I was at Vacation Bible School. No. We, you know, we, we, there's going to be cool graphics around here. There's going to be people teaching games. There's going to be te- people teaching dance steps and songs. And there are going to be people teaching creatively from Scripture. What's the goal in all that? Is the goal that they go home and say, yeah, I heard it? No. The goal is that they go home, that those little kids go home, and they learn that Jesus said this, and because Jesus said this, I'm going to do that. When we preach on Sunday morning, the goal isn't, we don't come away from this and go, well, we had a crowd, we did a great job today. That, that's not the goal. That's not, I mean, do we want lots of people here? Sure we do. Why do we want lots of people here? Because we want life change to happen. Okay? It's not because we're trying to say we're some great, cool church, got lots of people. We want lots of people here so that they can come, they can hear, they can leave, and their life can be changed because they didn't just hear it, they applied it. Okay? When we do small group, we're constantly asking, is small group making a connection? Are people really coming to a place where they understand, they hear the word, and they're making application, and it's more than just, yeah, I went to small group tonight, I put my time in? See, when we evaluate these things, it's not just, hey, did people come? It's way more than that. It is, was their application made? We ask that about sermons, about programs, about youth ministry, about vacation Bible school. Everything we do, we want to know, is application happening? Is there biblical teaching taking place? We don't want to do something just because we're supposed to do it and because it looks good and it looks spiritual for us to all come together and have had church. Um, The best illustration I've heard about this particular topic is a guy named Lane Jones who said this about practical application. He said, it's a lot like unapplied paint. Unapplied teaching is like unapplied paint. It does you no good until it's applied. Unapplied paint does you absolutely no good until you get home, take the lid off, stir it up real good, and get all the particles good and mixed up, and then you dip a brush into it and you start painting the walls. We just painted the guys, uh, the boys' room recently. It's, it's really cool looking. And um, before that, it was just this bland-looking wall. It was kind of boring. But we, we bought some really bright, colorful paint. We went home. We mixed it up. We put the paintbrush in there and started putting that on. You know, and after a couple of coats, it's like, man, that makes all the difference in the world. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do anybody any good. The value of paint is in the application. The value of biblical teaching is in the application. It doesn't do you any good just to hear it. You've got to hear it and then say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with that. So our goal as believers is to put ourselves in the context of people or circumstances or surroundings where someone's going to take the lid off the can, stir it up, hand us a paintbrush, and then say, okay, I've done all I can. It's your job now to make application and if you apply it and you're like the man or a woman who has built their house morally ethically financially uh, parentally relationally on the foundation that can survive a storm what you're going to come away from this with is this idea that says you know what my faith is stronger because not only have i heard it but when god said it i did it and because i did it i have this huge faith in god and because of that in all these different areas of my life i have built on the firm foundation You've got to be in an environment where somebody is teaching God's Word in a biblical and applicable way. And if I'm not doing it for you, come, come talk to me. I will, 
you know what, I'll give you online resources. I'll give you my online resources. I'll, I'll send you to the places that I go for this kind of stuff. I'll, I'll show you the books I'm reading. I'll, I'll show you the kind of people that I hang around with and the people that when they say something, it matters to me, the people that I'm trying to put this into practice with. Because it's not just about hearing it. It's not just about putting your time in. It's not just about passing time. It is about, okay, what I'm hearing, I want to make application to my life and to blow up my faith. At the end of the day, it's obedience that makes all the difference. Obedience really is where we started to get separated, but before that, it was a trust thing. You will obey God. You will obey Jesus when you trust Jesus to do the things that he tells you to do. Now, one of the ways that I would say practically we need to put that in application, many, many people believe in Christ. One of the things that hasn't happened, though, is a lot of people haven't been baptized. I would say that one of the things, just a practical thing for you, if you've never been baptized and you say, you know, I believe in Jesus. That's, my thing isn't that I don't believe in Jesus. My thing is that, that I've, just, I've never really done anything with that faith. Then you need to be baptized. You, that, that's a, a step you need to take where you say, you know what? It's enough of me just hearing, I want to put my faith into practice. Faith intersecting God's faithfulness. God is going to blow your faith up huge. And if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never been baptized, you can do that. We can do that here with you. Um, and I would encourage you to do that when we stand and sing in just a moment. Let's, let's uh, pray together, then we'll stand and sing. Father, I give you thanks for, for your word because it's not just a matter of I want to uh, just read the material and get through it. It's, we, we read the scripture sometimes like the, the end game is just to get to the end of the chapter or to get to the end of the book. And I pray, Lord, that we would be about so much more than that. I pray that we would uh, really be trying to make application, trying to figure out how to make this all uh, relevant in our world. I pray that we would put ourselves in environments where that can be the case. And, and Lord, you, you are so good to us. You, you're so patient. Um, you are so faithful. And I pray, Lord, that in the following days, our, our faith will intersect your faithfulness. And that in the process of that, we will begin to see you show up in huge ways in our life ways that we can't explain, ways that we didn't know were possible, ways that are refreshing and new for us, and ways that really put us on display for other people to say, you know what, I want that in my world. Father, I pray that we would be the kind of people that other people are trying to, to uh, give us information, that other people are trying to show us why we shouldn't have this great faith, and that we would be just rock solid, that we would know that you're there that you love us, and that your faithfulness is going to intersect our faith in unbelievable ways. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.